you up to come and share with us. How many of you know Andy or have seen him banging about the place? About half of you. He does. He just does that. So um, it should be ready to go. Thank you. Um, And it's quite humbling to walk in and say, yeah, my name's Andy, and everyone goes, oh, Andy. It's like, so thank you for your ongoing support. That's um, quite a privilege. And it's really lovely to walk in here and see what you've done with the place. It's um, it's actually not saying that our school isn't welcoming, but it's warm in here and it's comfortable and um, I love seeing it in action on a Sunday. Um, this can be quite a, a an interesting space since our canteen closed. Um, so it's really lovely to walk in and see all you guys and, and knowing the support you give us. So I've been chaplain here. This is my eighth year here. Um, So I'm sort of part of the furniture. I've worked really hard to get part of the furniture. Um, And I take my role as a missional role. Uh, I'm essentially um, missional in how I approach my school, my college, my community. And this essentially is my community. I live locally. Um, A lot of what we do is local. Um, Church isn't too far away for me. Um, Rob and I share a church, which is really cool. I've known Rob for a while. I actually went for a, I told him a, this a while ago. I went for a job interview with Rob maybe 15 years ago. He doesn't remember it. And I'm really grateful because I bombed out severely. Um, but that reminds me that God has a plan for me. God placed me in this role. I, I fully understand that and I fully believe that. God has placed me here in this role. My background is social work. And specifically, young people and families. So mediation, reconciliation, that sort of work. And that comes into play a lot in what I do. All I do is what I would describe as relational. So I'm building relationships all the time. If I don't have appointments and I don't have meetings, I'm generally in the yard playing Foursquare in the junior um, courtyard. This courtyard here is our junior courtyard. It's our year seven, eights and nines. Or I'm on the basketball courts or I'm sitting out the front here in our senior courtyard or I'm in our VCE centre and all of it is a relational. I go to our year seven camp. I love our year seven camp. It's great. But they get to see me. They get to understand what I do um, and they get to know that I'm Andy and it makes it easier for them to come to me when there are issues. And that's what, that's what we know. That's what I find. If a student is aware of me and something's going on, they already have a relationship with me, so it's easier to come to me. And half my work's already done. If you have the chance, my office is um, the big bay window in this block just here where, where our library is, where you run your kids' programs. Um, I'm going to turn the light on, and if you look at the whiteboard, please excuse the mess, but if you look at the whiteboard, you're going to see this beautiful piece of art on my whiteboard. Now, that was done by two of our current Year 12 students. They did it mid-last year, and it it will stay there until they graduate. Those two students were hit very hard by a student we lost in um, year nine. She suicided and it hit our college really hard. Um, And these two students especially, they were very close friends. Incredible artists and their art was 
dark, blacks, whites, darks, horror. If you look at the art on my whiteboard, it's vivid, it's colourful, it's positive. And I leave it there not only to honour the student we lost and to remind the students that I've worked with, but also to remind myself that there's always hope and there's always a step forward. And our students can't do it on their own. Sometimes they have to. And I certainly can't carry them, but I will support them as much as I can. I'll walk alongside them. Um, you'd all know the footprints picture. Yeah, it's, it's quite iconic in our faith. And I'm reminded of that often. And that, to me, I, I guess is an inspiration. I certainly can't carry our kids, and I wouldn't try. Um, apart from there being legal ramifications. But I can walk alongside as much as I can. Um, last night I was on Facebook, and yeah, I have kids on Facebook. I don't friend them, but I allow them to friend me. And my principal knows that. Um, it, it's, I guess it's one of the tools that I use. Um, last night I had a student um, message me saying one of his close friends is essentially calling him names. Um, and this is a year nine boy, and so I take that more serious. We get lots of stuff, and I always take it serious, but when year eight girls and year seven girls are saying, oh, she's calling me names, often it's what we call conflict because the student probably said something else. We still deal with it, but when a boy is doing that, it's, it's sort of framed differently for me, and knowing these boys... Um, it, it's quite serious. So the fact that he could do that, he could offload, so hopefully he can get through today and we can deal with it tomorrow, makes it e more easy. Um, and I guess that's what I mean by missional. I'm there, I'm on the ground, I'm accessible. Um, and I will journey with these guys as long as they allow me to. Something I do in the morning, um, and I try to do it um, with intent rather than... Um, part of what I do to get, you know, you grab your keys, you grab your wallet, it's all sort of um, on autopilot. But one thing I try and do is put my cross on and, and I try and be quite intentional about it. But when I put it on, I do this, excuse me. And I tuck it in. And I know it's there. My actions speak loudly. I don't need the cross to prove who I am. Yes, yeah, some of the students may, know not, may not know what a chaplain is, but they know that's my title. They know it. It's on my door, and if they care to read it, they'll see it. But they actually know it. Oh, that's Andy. That's the chaplain. Um, two weeks ago, we had our open night. had to think for a minute there. And so it was the opportunity to say to our wider community, this is Scoresby, this is a great school. And we had our Year 7s up there and our Year 12 captains, Year 7 and Year 12 captains, and our, one of our boys up there, um, our Year 12s were asking our Year 7s just up on this stage and saying, what do you like about the school? What's worked for you? 
and the boy goes, oh, Andy made it really comfortable. And I sort of shrunk down. I thought, yeah, thanks for that in front of me. And I'd actually brought my family along because my eldest is in grade five, so we're starting to shop around for schools. So this is in front of my wife and my kids and my youngest, who's seven, goes to my wife, is that daddy? <laughs> and I'm sort of over there shrinking, shrinking. But once again, that's the impact that I have. And that's what I strive for. I strive to be... A, not a, not a shining presence, but someone that they can come to, and it's obviously working. Thank you for your support, your ongoing support. I'm aware that you pray. I'm aware of the the things that you offer. Um, Smooth Fridays across the road. Um, we have kids who go in there, it, and I guess that reaches our community as well. The Breakfast Club that now runs out of here on a Thursday morning. Um, the guys, the way you guys have embraced um, all that happens here, I'm so thankful. So have a look at the picture if you get a chance. I'll turn the light on later on so you can have a look. Um, ask me any questions. I'm happy to be around. Thank you all. Thanks, Andy. It's um, it's a great privilege to be able to partner with you in the work here, and I. Um I know that you have a that you carry this school and its students in your heart, and um, we're enjoying partnering with you and part of what you do here as well. And um, we'll be praying for Andy later as well. I'm going to give us a chance to uh, to pray for Andy as a, as a community too. For now, if you've got your Bibles with you, I just want you to open to Luke chapter 19, and right at the start of Luke 19. And at the start of Luke 19, we get the story of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, or however you want to um, pronounce it. And it goes like this, the first 10 verses. You've got it? Everyone there? Say there. I'm there. Good. He entered Jericho, and he was passing. Actually, it's up on there as well. Sorry about that. He was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he couldn't because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he, Jesus, was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. When they, the Pharisees and Sadducees, saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost." And uh, so far, we're going to read this morning. And when I read this story, I sometimes wonder if there's a bit missing. I sometimes wonder if there's the start of the story and how it happened with the tree. And all of a sudden, we're in Zacchaeus' house and he's making all these promises. And I think, what happened in between? You know, did, did the writer, did Luke, did he, did he skip a bit? Is it, did he, you know, at Canon, did they skip a bit? Were they sleeping during a section of it or something like that? What did Jesus say to Zacchaeus to make him respond like that? Did he read him the riot act? 
Of course, it's Jesus. Jesus knows stuff, right? Did he give him the, the whole turn or burn line? You know, did, he, did he point out, did he list out Zacchaeus' sins? Or did, he say, did he look at Zacchaeus like that and say, I know exactly what you're doing, buddy? Is that the kind of stuff that happened? You see, we have Jesus passing through. It starts off with Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, we know nothing is coincidence. We know that Jesus is not just ambling along thinking, oh, look, there's some people. Not coincidence. Jesus is passing through and fairly obviously, because of Jesus' reputation, there's a bit of a crowd. You know, there's a bit like, you know, when the A-League guys won or when the, the, goal, um, the grand final guys go into Melbourne and they do their, you know, there's people that line the streets. You can imagine what that might look like. You know, there's a bit of a crowd. I'm not sure if the crowd were expecting miracles. Jesus had a reputation. I'm not sure what they expected to see or whether they just wanted to get a glimpse of this man like Zacchaeus. Maybe they were thinking there was going to be a healing or a miracle or... In any case... Zacchaeus, who by all accounts was a low-life scoundrel, he was known for ripping off people, not very well regarded in the community at all, and that's putting it nicely because we're in church. He wants to see this Jesus and he wants to know what all this fuss is about. He must have heard of Jesus as well. And he wants to know what all the fuss is about. And he's small, so he takes measures to, to ensure that he gets to see Jesus when he's passing along. You know, when we, were, um, when we lived in the Netherlands, um, they have this crazy thing when Sinterklaas comes into town. How many of you can remember that or know a little bit about it? You know, and it's actually politically incorrect now in Holland. They've changed it the last two years, but they have these swatter pits, these little black boys, you know, and they're not allowed to have them anymore. And, uh, you know, there's a whole story. But every town, every little village, every, he comes into every village, He's amazing, this guy. He gets everywhere. No, it's actually a different guy. But he comes into every village, but the kids want to see. And the kids want to see him because it's kind of exciting. But also the Swatapits, they throw lollies and, and all sorts of stuff out. And so we would go down, and it's freezing cold in Holland that time. So we would go down to the main street of our village, and the crowds would gather. But of course, when our kids are small, they can't see Sinterklaas coming. They can't see Swatapit and all that sort of stuff. So you stick them on your shoulders. And I can imagine that was kind of like Zacchaeus' thing. Um, we once were on holidays in France and we were waiting in this village. A friend of mine was on holidays with us and he, wanted to see, he was keen about the Tour de France. I, I don't get all excited about Tour de France, but I know people that do. So we knew it was coming through this village today. And the day's long when you've got little kids. And we're waiting, 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 waiting. And then my part of the story is when the riders came through, we waited like four hours. That was it. How exciting was that? But before that, there was all of these support and all these, these, these sort of um, promo things, throwing out things. And then again, you know, we had the kids on the shoulders because people would rush to the front. I can imagine it was a little bit like that. You know, Zacchaeus was small and he wanted to get up because he couldn't see Jesus otherwise. But here's the thing. Jesus sees him. He might have got up in a sycamore tree and he might have thought, I just want to get a look at Jesus. But, you know, he doesn't need to see me. I want to see him. But Jesus sees him and an encounter takes place. Probably totally unexpected by Zacchaeus. Think about it. Certainly the acceptance that Jesus shows, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your place and we're going to eat together, isn't usual. No one even enters a tax collector's house in that culture, much less eats with them. 
These guys really are lowlifes and, and we don't associate them and we wouldn't enter into their house because tax collectors are equivalent to sinners and bad people. And so to eat with someone would, would, would be saying to them that I accept you, that you're a good person, that I, I want you to be part of my family, my community. And so when Jesus says to this lowlife, I'm going to come and eat at your place, this is just totally messed with their, view, their worldview and their, and their viewpoint and probably Zacchaeus' as well. No one enters a tax collector's house. So then Zacchaeus has this encounter with Jesus and the acceptance Jesus shows is not usual. This usually despised person, a a man that, that God, they would expect God would judge. So what changes Zacchaeus radically? Did Luke skip a section? Was there a section where, you know... um, Jesus sort of laid out Zacchaeus' sins. I don't think so. I don't think there was any instruction. I don't think Jesus sat Zacchaeus down and preached a few sermons, pulled out a few lovely key texts that, you know, would bring revelation. I don't think there was any healing or judgment. I don't think there was a proposed program from Jesus, uh, from Jesus' ministry for a program of rehabilitation. Although... That rehabilitation bit clearly followed, didn't it? But it was self-driven. I believe what changed Zacchaeus was the presence of Jesus. I believe that being in the presence of Jesus, being with Jesus, is what changed Zacchaeus. The attention, the acceptance Jesus showed him, the person of Jesus Christ, the person that he was, the way that he embraced Zacchaeus, just his presence coming and saying, I want to be with you, changed him. This man of God, Jesus Christ, who knew Zacchaeus' reputation, he knew it, wanted to eat at his house. And it was as Jesus communicated the opposite of what Zacchaeus expected and the opposite of what he experienced in his whole community because he would have experienced, he would experience hate and rejection more than acceptance. It was as Jesus communicated the opposite of Zacchaeus' normal experience that Zacchaeus' heart was softened. And I think that's what happened. A realisation, my life needs to change. I can't keep living like this. I, I can't do this. And then a willingness to do it. Not just a realisation, but a willingness to say, wow, and, and I want to do something about it. Jesus accepted him. He loved him. He forgave him and he believed in him. Notice the end of the scripture where he sort of says, and this is big, again, if you, if you look into the culture of those times, you know, a son of Abraham was in. If you were a son of Abraham, you were, you were, you were in. You were part of the family. You were, going, you, know, you were one of God's people. Tax collector couldn't be that. And what does Jesus say? Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. They are powerful words. He's saying to Zacchaeus, you're in. I accept you. You've got a destiny. You've got a heritage and you've got a destiny. You're part of the family. And he believed in him. You know, it's when a person is accepted, loved and believed in that they respond to the need to change. And um, I I wanted to tell a bit of a story of my own life here, but um, I'm going to save us some time because I want to give Rob some time to share as well. But it truly is true. When someone accepts you, and when someone uh, believes in you, that's when you begin to rise to the challenge. That's when you begin to believe 
that there's something and you begin to change. Your heart softened and you want to change. That's when you grow and you transform. And that's when a person becomes open. So how does that work for us? When we became followers of Jesus, Jesus took up residence in us. His presence is in us, right? You know, we, when the Holy Spirit lives in us, we've, we've talked about that in church before. So it follows then that where we go, Jesus goes, right? If you follow the, the logical conclusion, if Jesus is in me, where I go, Jesus goes. And what he did for us, he did for those that we're with. Or he wants those that we're with to know that he did it for them as well. And I'm thinking about, you know, our presence as a church community and our presence as, as Christians. And, and you, whether that's in your workplace, whether that's in your school, uh, or in your family, wherever you find yourself, where you go, Jesus goes. And if we're going to believe, like I've been told, if we're going to believe that Jesus' presence does change people, then it's going to work in your family, it's going to work in your workplace, it's going to work in your school, but it's going to work here in this school. As a church community, we took up residence here in Scoresby Secondary College, didn't we? This is our home, we call it, don't we? We, we worship here on Sundays. This is, this is where we belong. Um, we think it's a calling, not coincidence. Am I right? We're called to be here. It's not, wow, look, there's a hall. It's cheap. Let's go there. It didn't go like that at all. We took up residence here in Scoresby. We're called to be here, not coincidence. Jesus knew who he was going to meet. And our presence here means that Jesus is, he, is present here every time we step into the school, on Sundays or during school. And as I said, if you read the front of the newsletter, I wrote a little thing in there. I'm saying, I said, we don't have a program plan or a preaching plan. We have a presence plan. And that's what we have for the school. Cavell Corner as well. It's filled with the presence of Jesus when we're there. Whether we're serving a meal to say that we love you and we accept you, or whether we're teaching financial management saying that we want to help you, or whether we're teaching kids to sing and move saying that we want to invest in you, or whether we're playing games and offering smoothies saying we just want to be with you. This is the presence of Jesus that has the power to change people. Same is true for our work here in Scoresby Secondary College. We don't go in each brekkie club morning to preach the gospel or to point out error. We don't run morning teas or lunches for the staff to get them sit and eat and then we start preaching. We don't run programs like that. We go into the school as ambassadors, as presence bearers of Jesus and his character. We care, we serve, we accept, we believe in them, we love on them. And our programs, whether that be breakfast club, morning tea for the teachers, sport on Thursdays, No Limits, which is a program we've just started, we're there. We're present, knowing that because of Jesus, because of us, Jesus is also present there. Sure, we encounter lives that are troubled, and Andy's just, uh, just shared some stories. We encounter lives too that are troubled, perhaps even full of error and sin. Perhaps from a biblical perspective, people that we struggle with. But as we love, as we accept, and as we serve, God works and hearts will be changed and opportunities will be there. We've just begun the No Limits program here in Scoresby Secondary College. And that's another way that we're expressing God's heart for the school community. And especially for some of these kids that really need 
people to believe in them and to be with them. And Rob Collar from uh, YAFT, Youth and Family Therapy, I got that right, haven't I, Rob? That's right. Works with us to run the program in the school and he runs it in other schools. And um, I've invited him here today to share us a little bit more, or we've invited him here to share us a little bit, share a little bit more of how the program works and how God uses it and how God changes lives, how our presence can bring Jesus into people's lives, sometimes in very small ways and maybe sometimes in bigger ways as well. Rob Vandenberg and Jen Tiemans are involved with it here in this school and we're going to pray for them a little bit later. But I just might invite Rob up now. Rob is going to share with us 10 minutes and he's got some lovely pictures for us to see as well. And also, just as we listen to Rob and listen to uh, how the program works... He'll also share just a couple of ways that we could be involved with the program. Thanks, Rob. G'day, folks. Thanks for your time. Um, Caleb's got the... Caleb, yes. Got the slides up here. He's pretty quick with a, a PowerPoint. He had to adjust some of the uh, settings. So if you ever need any stuff done, he's the man. He's, he's just going like this and changing things and it all fits now so you'll be able to read it. So that's great. All right, we want to fill you in a little bit about the No Limits process. And um, I know Andrew was saying program, but we actually call it a process because unlike a program, the process fits around the young people. Um, it's a dynamic process and where the young people go, we, we follow. And, uh, and that means sometimes we have like an eight-week process set out, but it might take 10, 12 or whatever. It depends where the young people are at. Uh, and that's all founded on a, a, the vital paradigm. Vital, it's called vital projects. There was a little uh, splash screen beforehand to say it's values integrated through action-based learning. Um, but the computer's a little bit old, so it's getting tired, couldn't cope with it. And, uh, and it's founded on a thing called a group deal. And we have this thing called a handy group deal. And uh, it's open because there's no violence and it's welcoming. We encourage people. Yeah, good on you, mate. Instead of pointing at people, we actually respect them. This one, we flip around from the way it's normally done. And instead of putting people down, we value people. This one, the ring finger, I'm getting better at getting them up like that, is about, it's a ring finger, so it's about commitment. And this one is look out for the little guy. And a little guy could be somebody who's been sick, who's had an argument at home, had arguments with mates, whatever. So the whole thing is about creating a safe, therapeutic space for these young people to come in and be equal with Rob, Jen, Andy and me. So we're like this, we aren't over above them. And they pull us up on the group deal as well. And that helps them go beyond rules. We don't have rules, we have the group deal and they, the group, all of us, create it together. And actually one of the young people created that sign, which is pretty cool. So they're getting pretty excited here. We've had one session. We had to cancel another one because of an asbestos scare. <laughs> but um, it happens, yes. And they, Andy was saying they were really disappointed that they couldn't do it, which is great after one session. And they've created their own Facebook No Limits page. Now, this is just after one, like, 80-minute session. 70, how, how many? S 72 minutes. <laughs> yes, OK. <laughs> All right. Um, and, yeah, so we go beyond rules, we have the group deal, we go beyond fear. 
It doesn't mean there won't be fear because we push the young people. We challenge ourselves. Um, ask Pete about being challenged with fear on a high ropes course. Um, and, and we step up. We ask them to do things, so we do them ourselves. Uh, so fear might be there, but we go beyond it and we, we provide an opportunity for them to really challenge that fear and not let it limit them. We go beyond lectures. We, uh, we have chats and discussions. There's no tests or exams. Thanks, mate. What are we about? Um, potential. That's the main thing. We're about trying to help young people see their God-given potential and to explore that and find it. We want to help them make those healthy decisions, expecting, accepting responsibility for their lives, the decisions they make, and realising that as teenagers they're in a real time where differentiation is happening, so they're starting to differentiate from parents, become their own person, and that's a real opportunity for them to look at the values they have in their life and think about, hmm, is that a good value? Is that a healthy one? Do I want to keep that? Do I need some other values? And to discover the leader that's in all of us. Everybody has, I believe, leadership potential in different situations and we bring that out. Thanks, Carl. Just have a quick read of those. I'll stop talking for a minute and just have a think about them. So God's given us free will and he's given us the responsibility that comes along with that. We're one of the things that No Limits aims is to help them see that. Yes, they've got freedom to make choices, but yes, they also have a real responsibility that comes along with it. Thanks, Carl. Specific objectives. So we want to engender respect. Respect for themselves first, because if you don't respect yourself, it's hard to respect others. So respect for self, that's really key with the handy group deal that we have, and respect for others. Looking at, um, you know, valuing what other people say. So valuing that someone might say something that you disagree with, and that's okay, and you can have a healthy discussion about it. And sometimes we do have healthy discussions, robust discussions, it's quite interesting. And often young people have never had an environment where they can really say, oh, you're wrong, this is... Uh, but do it respectfully and then thrash it out. That's critical thinking. My oldest son, Joshua, is, um, he majored in philosophy and teaches at Wellington and he loves that aspect of it, that, uh, getting kids to think critically. Uh, and re relationships. Helping them setting, set up the idea that if you have cooperative and healthy relationships, that's going to help your life be so much more satisfying and productive. Self-concept, it's a big one. We have a, a diagram about self-concept that they do and, uh, and helping them see that they've got massive potential uh, and often we only see this little bit about ourselves, but we have all of this potential. And uh, we want them to grow that self-concept out towards their potential that God has given them. We don't necessarily mention God's potential. We don't even necessarily mention God. We don't need to because we bring God's love in and that speaks volumes. That's being present and allowing the spirit to be present and that's pretty awesome. We don't need to say anything after that. That's enough. 
we also, one, one thing, the bottom one there, introduce a replacement of negative self-talk. It's something that's massive in Western society is negative self-talk. It's almost a, a natural thing that we do. And we help them see this cycle that just makes them smaller. And we get them to actually, if, if they want to, they make a commitment to positive self-talk and take these cards home with the positive things that they could say to themselves and stick it up somewhere. Some of them have it on their phones, uh, on their you know, backgrounds, on their screens. They stick it up on mirrors, backs of toilet doors, all that kind of stuff. Thanks, Carl. Key learnings. Unlock potential. Uh, 16 grid square, we're about to do that, facing fears, there's a gaps model down on the table, there's a little picture about that. We take them through activities, we try to make it as dynamic as possible through No Limits so that they don't, you know, disengage. Um, it's not just talking for 10 minutes like this, okay? And um, we have an adventure model which helps them see that the cards are out on the seat over there, helps them you have tools to really look at when they're getting stressed how can that be a positive thing? So the amount of stress goes up, so does your learning and performance. Because stress can be really good. But when you get too much, it can be really health, un unhealthy and can make you shrink back in yourself. So, and um, healthy and respectful communication. So just on the engagement thing, could everyone just stand up please? Take a risk. Thank you. Turn to the person next to you and put your hand out like this. Great. Yep. So find somebody. That's it. Curl your fingers like this and hook on. Hook on. So find a partner. There's a single person. Yes, find somebody. That's it. Has everybody got some? There's no solos. You can't do this game solo. All right? Okay, on the count of three, it's thumb wars. Go for it. Come on. You've got to beat three. You've got to get the thumb down. You've got to squash. No, try and squash it down. That's it. That's it. Go. Okay, stop. Swap hands. Left hand. Go. And thumb wars, go for it. Yes, that's it. Get that thumb down. Alrighty, great. Okay. <laughs> Caleb, next slide, please, mate. Thank you. Alrighty. You can sit down now. So, we use tools like that, energizers engagement, to help the young people stay engaged, to keep them interested. It's, you know, to have 72 minutes of just sitting and talking or teaching, you know, ideas and concepts. I'd be bored. I'd be falling asleep. I go to training and I like training that's active. I'm a doer. And the young people love it too. Who's feeling a little bit more engaged and not falling asleep now? Yeah, great. Everybody falls asleep in church, I reckon. <laughs> All right. So what I'd like you to do now, the other thing we do is, is concept thinking is um, I'd like you to count how many squares there are. Do not call it out. Do keep it to yourself. Don't vocalise it. Start counting. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> All right. We don't have time to let you do it properly. Can some people call out? People who know? Shush. Yeah. Go on. 25? Four? I More. More. More? 29? 22? 21? How many? 26? Okay. All right. We use this as an example. We get all the kids in a circle. We get them to count it. And there's usually one person who might be labelled a bit of a nerd or a bit of a geek who gets it right. 
And I've seen massive shifts just from the young people doing this. There's actually 30. Okay? So, all the 16 single squares, there's a big one out the side. Then you've got the 4x4s, but you've got 4x4s here too. Okay? Then you've got one in the middle. Right? Then you've got three by threes. One, two, three. One, two, three. I need a long ruler. <laughs> All right? And you've got four three by threes and there's 30. Now, when a young kid who's you know, been labelled a bit of a geek or something shows the rest of the group, the 30 squares, and then the next few weeks we actually point that back to and say, he was actually able to help you see something you didn't see yourself, the opinion of him comes up and the opinion of himself comes up. And his potential is grown. So we use this as, as an example in No Limits. We help young people to actually see the potential within themselves. All right? Cool. We're going to have to keep moving because I've gone a bit longer. That saying, give me a fish eat for a day, teach me to fish and I eat for a lifetime, that's what we want to do. We want to help them take on values that are going to help them live life well for a lifetime that is going to really encourage them. I've just talked about energizers, crowd breakers, building, and we have day trips. Next, Caleb, thanks. Phase one, welcome to No Limits. We have big signs, all sorts of things, it's all different. Next, thank you. Okay, we work within a team context. I won't go into a school that has said to me, oh, we want you to just come in and run your program. I said, it's a process. Um, without working with the welfare team and the full approval of the principal's team because there needs to be the follow-up, the relationship, the ongoing presence is really important. Um, and so it's, it's volunteers are integral. We used to run it just two, like the chaplain and myself, since we've been using volunteers through threefold and now from Scoresby, it's made a massive difference and I've spoken with a few chaplains, we won't go back to just doing it with two facilitators. It's just the impact is just so much more that the kids get out of it and we get out of it. Um, dynamic group process, talked about that. It's about eight weeks and a day trip is phase one. Full commitment, let's keep going. We've got to rush through. We create novel environments, disequilibrium. They come into a classroom, the desks are there, the chairs are there, they know what's going on, that's equilibrium. We create something different every week, so when they come in they're going, what's happening? What am I doing? I don't know. So that engages people. Next. Uh, open and safe discussions. Uh, you can see the kids there. These are, you know, year seven, eight, nine guys fully engaged in really deep discussions. A lot of people don't value or think that especially boys can do that. The depth that comes out in these <coughs> discussions is amazing. Ask some people that have been involved, Francis and Peter, ask them about the discussions. Next. Challenge by choice, you don't have to do anything. We will challenge young people, we will challenge ourselves, but you don't have to do it. So we'll push and challenge. If they get to a point where they say, no, I really can't do that, we congratulate and encourage them for how far they went. Next. Trust is a massive one. Trust in life. You know, we are trusting this roof here to stay up and not fall on us. It's an integral part of everyday life. You trust that when you put the foot on that middle pedal, the car's going to stop, okay? Trust in relationships, trust is key. We teach them that. 
these group of guys. Um, this particular group uh, had two groups that were really antagonistic to each other. This is week four and they're fully trusting to fall off and into each other's arms. Okay? And it's quite amazing the difference that makes. These guys are all really good mates now. Next. Teamwork. We go out to a day trip and uh, we get them to do all sorts of extraordinary things and we bring a teacher with us. This teacher here didn't want to be part of the activities at the start and we said if you want to come you need to be part of the activities. He got into it. By the end of it he said, I teach all these boys. He said, I've never seen them engage like that before. He said, you actually let them make mistakes and you let them fail. And he said, and they resolved it and got through and discovered that they could. And he said, I've had more fun than I've had for a long time. And he said, I've seen techniques you've used, I'm going to use in my class now. This is amazing. And he's coming back this year. That's from Keysborough. Next. We push the limits. This is a thing called um, a mohawk walk. We'll keep going though because I'm really nearly over time. Phase two, we go deeper, push further and we do a hike to Mount Erica. So on this one, this is for the young people who we feel are ready to go deeper into the next one. Let's keep going. Uh, that's pretty similar. We'll s but the difference is that it's for people who are ready. Okay, so it really is a big step. Next, Caleb, thanks. Keep going. We'll flick through these. Here's some pictures. You might recognise some people. So there's somebody there, third from the left, you might recognise. That was one day. Go to the next slide. There's the next two weeks later. Okay? The weather up there can be very different. Keep going. Uh, this, oh, back one. Ta. This here, there was a, a participant in the hike who um, was co not coping with the heat whereas the petition the two weeks before was not coming with the rain and the guys just said, we'll carry his pack, no worries. It was awesome. The guys just did it themselves. This is what is brought out um, in this thing. Sorry, I'm smiling because it was Francis's pack. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, that's the track there, believe it or not. That was flowing. That was Karen Viz's trip. Keep going. There we are up the top and go to the next one. There we are two weeks later. So they get through and they learn stuff. They look, you know, they're fully engaged. These kids have often never been up to the dandenong, some of them. Okay, keep going. That's one day. Next one, that's the same campsite where the tarp was. Nice sunshine. They have to cook for themselves, put up tents themselves. It's a real challenge. Keep going. We do a, a magic show. Next one. And we blindfold them. They have to bush bash through and they get to see this amazing... Um, magic show, which I can't tell you because if anyone comes on, you want to experience it first, keep going. And um, on this one, the wet one, it had rained, it literally didn't stop raining except for 15 minutes. And the 15 minutes that it stopped raining was when we were at the magic show. That was pretty awesome. Keep going. Coming back, next one. Okay, they're the two different contrasts. These are guys who, you know, didn't think they could do it walking. We go up to Mount Erica and it's a steep hike. Isn't it, France? <laughs> and, um, and some of the kids don't think they can do it. Then they find out they can. And this is what's so big about it. They, they discover they have much more potential than they ever thought. Keep going, Kat. Thanks. Then we do phase three. I'm nearly done. Sorry, I have gone a few minutes over time, Andrew. Sorry, mate. Um, then we have, a, for the, again, for some people who are ready to go even deeper, we have a six-month bush adventure therapy trip where we create the same thing, a group deal, 
and, and a therapeutic group, but they meet for six weeks, one day a week, meeting to, to form the, the therapeutic community, and they have to set personal goals, they get a mentor, and then we go sailing and camping for eight days on the Gippsland Lakes. And we almost have a one-to-one -one ratio, one young person to a facilitator. We run this with volunteers and in partnership with each, which is Eastern Access Community Health and YFC Gippsland. Uh, then we have a debrief and a three-day follow-up camp. Next. Just some pictures, flick through them, Caleb. Yep. So this is just, they learn to sail the boats and they end up sailing them by themselves. So after four days, they have to sail from campsite to campsite by themselves in the yachts, navigating and sailing. One young girl, um, can you flick back a couple? Yeah, that one. The young girl there in the back had massive issues with confidence, had pulled out of a, uh, a cheerleading comp. Uh, now keep going forward. Thank you. And again, yep, stop there. Pulled out of a cheerleading, confident, uh, a cheerleading uh, competition and hadn't done it for a couple of years, came on our trip and sailed that triac that she was on solo all by herself. And she was scared. She pulled in the, the sail and was just pedalling. They've got this amazing drive on it. But then others around her encouraged her to pull the sail out, which she did, and she sailed all the way. Now, the impact that had on her was that when she came back, she re-enrolled with her cheerleading thing, and she's now doing that again. And she was also being left by her friends in the schoolyard. You know, the girls were just hanging out, and then they'd just wander off to another spot. But she would think they were walking away from her. Now she has... She just told me the other day, she said... Oh, it's really cool, Rob, because now I just asked them, can I come? And they actually said to me, well, of course, we wondered why you stayed there the whole time. So she's, her relationships have changed massively because she took up the opportunity. We don't do the hard work, the kids do. Now, we get them out there and they get to see God's creation in an amazing way. This is a beautiful sunset that they have and they camp in this. It's just awesome. So we don't need to mention God because they bring it up. We, the first night of this year's trip, we were all lying out on the grass. There was no dew and the stars were amazing and they just talked and asked, what about all this stuff? Where does this all come from? Keep going. We do group work. Keep going. Solo work, so they have to do solos. They end up doing an hour-long solo by themselves on the beach. And then we help them come back. We do works with signs. They come up with a sign that means something important to them. They take that back and we continue to work with it. I'm sorry. I've gone way over time. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Now... Thanks, uh, Rob. Now, you on the phone the other day, you said to me that there was an opportunity, there was a barbecue or something coming up. Where are you, Rob? You've, oh, you bent down. There's an opportunity. If you, there is a couple of little opportunities within the YAFT, within this No Limits program, where some volunteers could be uh, used or helped just for a short space of time to do some cooking or some chat to Rob afterwards. He'll be over at the table and he'll give you an idea of how you can be involved um, in that. It's an amazing program. And it's amazing to see uh, how it changes. A process. I'll get there. Thank you for your assistance, crowd. Um, and it really is great to see hearts change because we're there and because we invest. 
I know that that's happened in my life and I know that probably many of you could say the same when you think about situations. And many of us sitting here haven't had lives that some of the kids in these schools have. So imagine how great it is for them. We want to pray for them this morning. And, um, but you might be sitting here and John isn't here this morning but he gave me a piece of paper um, and I'm going to read it really quickly. You may be thinking, that's great, Rob and Jen um, are involved in that and then there's Cavell Corner and there's, there's bits and pieces involved. But John gave me a list of ways that everyone could be involved in what we do either here or in Cavell Corner in a very small, low-level way or in greater ways. And I'm going to tell you what they are because I'm going to challenge you to think about what could I be doing to be the presence of Jesus either here or in our community. And he said, hands-on involvement. You could come to Breakfast Club on Thursday mornings between 8 and 9.15, serving students toast, juice and cereal. Sports ministry on Thursdays at 12.50, playing indoor soccer with the Year 12 boys. Games ministry, playing cards, games with groups of Year 12 boys. That's Friday, smooth Fridays. And if you're really lucky, Glenn will make you a smoothie as well. Cost you a gold coin though. Smooth Fridays, well that is Smooth Fridays, connecting with the teens after school over a card game. Staff morning teas and lunches, we run at the end of term, we run morning teas and lunches for the staff. Megan and the care and community team coordinate that really well. But you could just provide food, or you could come and help serve, or you could bake a cake, or, or put a, give us a meal for that. Um, the Scoresby Secondary Chaplaincy Committee, you could join the committee with Andy and one weeknight per term just to support Andy Phillips by joining his committee and help him. Um, donations, Smooth Fridays, um, a small donation can help us cover the costs of milk and ice cream. Breakfast Club, much of Breakfast Club is self-sufficient. Bread is donated by a Wednesday night bread run, but you could donate things like milk, butter and spreads. No limits, you've heard Rob Collar today. It's a life-changing process and we want to see, it Im- we want to see our impact grow. So if you're able to help, uh, it, run, it costs money to run the No Limits program and um, we want to continue to run it. So if you're able to help so that we can continue next year, um, then we want, to be, we want your help for that as well. And you can pray. Tutoring, mentoring or so. And we'd be open to Cavell being used for that as well. So... Um, and you can pray, and we would love you to pray. What we're going to do now is I'm going to get Rob and Rob and Rob and Jen standing here. So Rob Vandenberg, Rob Collar, and Jen. Okay. Now Andy also works with the No Limits process. Do you like that? I got that. But I'm actually going to ask Andy to stand over here. And anyone involved in Breakfast Club, um, in Smooth Fridays. Um, in sport, the morning teas. If you're involved with that, I want you to stand with Andy over here. So can you do that? Andy, can you come over this side? I know you love these guys, but... And if you're involved, with, come over here. And then what I would like us as a church community to do is I would like us to gather around these people. So you guys are going to have to bunch up and love in a little bit. Okay? And so are you guys going to have to. I'd like the rest of the church community to come around them and pray for them. And can I get a couple of elders on each one just to to lead and guide and and pray for people? But I want to encourage you all to pray. So can we do that now? And then when we finish praying, the music team is going to sneak up during the prayer and they're going to finish us off with a song this morning. So let's all get up and get involved and encourage them and pray for them.